Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 122. Tiger's balls, yeah, I ate tiger's balls. Now ain't nobody gonna stop me ever at all. Nobody put me up against the big black wall, because I ate that tiger's testimonials. I ate tiger's balls. And tiger, he growls and he roars, and he's off into the forest after them. And the monkeys screech and head for the highest trees. And I scratch my nice new big balls, and damn, they felt good hanging between my skinny legs, and I walk on home. And even today, Tiger keeps chasing monkeys. So you all remember, just because you're small doesn't mean you got no power. Mr. Nancy smiled and bowed his head, and spread his hands, accepting the applause and laughter like a pro. And then he turned and walked back to where Shadow and Chernobog were standing. I thought I said no stories, said Wednesday. You call that a story, said Nancy? I barely cleared my throat. Just warmed them up for you. Go knock them dead. Wednesday walked out into the firelight, a big old man with a glass eye and a brown suit and an old Armani coat. He stood there, looking at the people on the wooden benches, saying nothing for longer than Shadow could believe someone could comfortably say nothing, and finally he spoke. You know me, he said. You all know me. Some of you have no cause to love me, and I'm not sure I can blame you for that, but love me or not, you know me. There was a rustling, a stir among the people on the benches. I've been here longer than most of you. Like the rest of you, I figured we could get by on what we got. Not enough to make us happy, but enough to keep going. That may not be the case anymore. There's a storm coming, and it's not a storm of our making. He paused. Now he stepped forward and folded his arms across his chest. When the people came to America, they brought us with them. They... And that's our page. This page ends Nancy's story, though he says he only cleared his throat, not a legitimate story. And it wraps up in a way that's fairly similar to a lot of these folk tales. The story gives us a reason that tigers chase monkeys, and it just kind of ends otherwise. There's a small, I was going to say a moral, but it doesn't quite go that far at the end about how if you are small, you are not powerful. But then I started really thinking, do tigers chase monkeys? I guess a hungry tiger would eat anything he could catch for dinner, so maybe, but I just can't imagine there being all that much meat on a monkey. But what do I know? I'm not a zoologist. Anyhow, we don't get a moral as such, like I said, but it's Close to one, almost, I guess. We also learn a little bit about Anansi, and if myths about big testicles are to be believed, why Nancy slash Anansi is so gutsy in much of his other stories. The narrator notes that Shadow didn't think someone could be silent as long as Wednesday is when he approaches the, uh, well, I was going to say the stage, but he approaches the area around the fire where he's going to speak. The lengthy handshake he and Shadow shared on page 36 goes on for more than 30 seconds, and that was very much a power play. And I think there's something to be said about Wednesday's silence here. He's drawing the audience in, in a way, but he's also kind of asserting his control and his lack of discomfort at having to just stand there and not talk. He's here to talk, certainly, but he's not going to speak until he's ready. He notes that they have been carrying on having enough, not enough to keep happy, but enough to keep continuing. And it seems like a reference, again, to Shadow's mental state, to me at least. He's traveling with Wednesday, not because he likes Wednesday. He even says it when uh, he joins in with Wednesday that he's not, he doesn't trust him, and that he's not a fan of Wednesday's methods or anything. But it certainly seems like he's prepared to do something, anything, rather than do nothing. Wednesday warns of a coming storm, and this is also a reflection of Sam Fetisher's warning 
when Shadow was still in prison. It's a similarity that makes me wonder if Wednesday came to Shadow in the guise of Sam Fetisher to start prodding Shadow in that direction, or if Sam Fetisher is somehow an agent of Wednesday's who was also in prison. We're not really given any reason to believe this throughout the rest of the novel, as far as I can remember, but it's one of those things that I just kind of have to wonder about if we're all talking about storms. It's also noteworthy, I think, that it's not a storm that they created. I'm not sure what that means in the grand scheme of things. If this is Wednesday tipping his hand a bit too much, or if this is just some historical precedent that the gods in America have controlled these reality-altering storms to work to their own benefit, but now that they're so weak in power compared to some of the new gods, well, maybe they're just not able to have that same influence. And at the bottom of the page, Wednesday confirms what we've already talked about before, especially with the arrival of the Vikings in their Coming to America story or uh, Essie Trogowan's story where she uh, talks to the Pisky at the end and he confirms that, yep, he is there because of Essie and other people who brought the stories in their mind to America. And it was one of Neil's starting points for the novel was considering not just who the gods that come to America are, but how do they get here and why are they here? And at some point he thought about them as being trapped here, which I think I've brought up again that it does come in Sandman in smaller ways, but in the novel he really fleshes out this idea, and it's what works for me about the novel extremely well, is is starting with such a small seed and really kind of thinking on it until you get gods trapped in a country where no one believes in them anymore, or at least so few people believe in them that they're scraping by, and it's just a remarkable idea, and I love it. People arrive, they bring their gods, and then the people die, so the gods continue on, because gods are essentially deathless, although we'll find that's not entirely true as the novel goes forward. Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com, and on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme song. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page, and remember, only the gods are real.